welcome to the Brazilian BA guest. It's a pleasure to have you here. If you are not yet subscribed to the Brazilian BA channel, please do so right now and click on the bell so we can advise you whenever we have a new video here in our channel. I always have different guests to mm -hmm. talk with me with some about something that's related to business analysis. And today I have an author of more than 13 books, someone who explains things in a clear way and with good humor, which is very good. <laughs> One of the most influential thought leaders related to software requirements engineering and also a great musician, Mr. <laughs> Carl Wiggers. Thank you for coming, Carl. Well, thank you very much for that, that uh, kind introduction, Fabricio. I'm very happy to see you again. Oh, it's my pleasure and my honor. You know, Carl, When I invited you to do something fun, you probably thought I would invite you to drink some wine because I know that's something you like or to play some music, but that's not it. It's another thing that you like as well. And I know you are in love about it. It's requirements. And my question for you is, why are requirements so important for building software? Well, that's a pretty important question and uh, it's probably not a real short answer, but The, uh, the simplest answer I could give is how do we know when we're done if we haven't understood some requirements? Now, that's a little simplistic because there are a lot of kinds of requirements, a lot of kinds of knowledge that we need to accumulate to build the right solution. Uh, and we need to start by understanding why we are even working on a project. You know, anytime somebody launches a new initiative, They're doing it for a reason. You know, there's some problem to solve. There's some opportunity to exploit or some idea someone has for a product. But that's not enough to know what to build. Eventually, we have to get enough understanding of both the need and the motivation for solving the problem and then start turning that into some description of the solutions, characteristics, and capabilities so someone can go build that solution. But I would say the simplest reason to uh, describe why requirements are important so we know when we're done, when we've accomplished what we set out to accomplish. Perfect. I know that requirements are a deep concept when you start looking at it and you have developed this conference, this concept for a while. And I would like you to tell us a little bit about your story or, or your journey between uh, requirements, engineering, uh, transforming that in something that you could share with people and could help other projects to succeed. All right, well, I can give you a bit of my background so you can see why this is an important topic to me. Uh, I actually first learned how to program in college in 1970, 53 years ago, which I find incredible. It hardly oh. seems possible. But I ran into my first experience with the requirements just the next summer. I got a job automating some of the operations in the financial aids office at my college. And, you know, I was 17 years old. I was uh, going into my junior year of college, but uh, I was earning money as a software developer. <laughs> It was pretty strange. Uh, so I had to understand what the director of the financial aids office was trying to accomplish. So I could use my two credits of Fortran to build him some useful <laughs> solution. So uh, all of my college degrees are in chemistry, but I stayed interested in software. And uh, I started out as a research scientist when I went into industry, but I went into software full-time about 40 years ago. And, and I had another observation that let me know that requirements were important. Now, early in my career, I would sometimes have an initial idea for some program I wanted to write. 
and I'd start writing code too early. I would sometimes find myself doing a lot of fixing and redoing and chasing to try to figure out fumbling around without really understanding what I was trying to accomplish. And sometimes I'd start to panic because I could <laughs> tell the program was out of control. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but uh, I learned then I had to take a step back and think more carefully about what my requirements were again, at these several levels, you know, why am I working on this at all? What am I hoping to accomplish? Who cares about it? Uh, and then I get into, you know, more details. But once I got the discipline to start thinking about requirements, even for a program for my own use, let alone for other people, I never again felt like a project was out of control. Mm -hmm. I felt like we knew what we were trying to do. And when I was a software developer at Kodak, um, my group started taking requirements seriously in the mid-1980s. We developed this product champion model that I think is very effective for user interaction. We started creating prototypes, uh, doing analysis modeling, which I am a huge fan of modeling. I, I found that a real breakthrough in my thinking about software development and so forth. And we got better results when we did those things than when we did whatever it was we used to do. So as I, my group kind of learned how to do a better job of software engineering in many respects, not just requirements, I started writing articles about these for magazines. I started giving presentations at conferences and kind of one thing leads to another. And so I started writing books and uh, here we are. <laughs> yes, and you have wrote some of the most influential books about these, one of them is software requirements. Uh, there's some very big ideas there that I see that are, are in use today at the BA Bach guide, for example, are based on that and, uh, and all other guides. But you recently released this new book called Software Requirements Essential Core Practice for Successful Business Analysis that I have in my hand right here. <laughs> and my question is for you is, why did you want to write a new book once you already have written some different books about software requirements? What was the gap that you felt that you understood that you should write a new book about it? Um, that's a very good question. And the idea that you mentioned about a gap <clears throat> is important because I feel like a lot of the writing I've done, I was trying to fill what I saw as holes, gaps in the mm -hmm. software literature that I thought perhaps I could be helpful for. So I published the first edition of my book on software requirements in 1999. Second 1999. edition, 1999. Right. Just, just, just as a, a, a reference, the, the International Institute of Business Analysis was founded in 2003. You wrote your book in 1999. Right. Right. So I've just been doing a, this longer, a than reference. longer than there's been an IIBA. Yes. <laughs> and so... Um, The third edition of my book was published in 2013. And this is a rather large book, as you can see. Yes. Okay? It's almost, almost 650 pages long. Wow. But I realize, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in here. My co-author, Joy Beatty, added a, a great deal of stuff. But we realized, or at least I realized, busy people, BAs, product owners, product managers, requirements engineers, don't always have the time to read a great big book. Now, you don't have mm -hmm. to read the whole thing. You just read the parts you care about. But um, something interesting happened a year ago. I posted an article on my medium.com site titled The Six Most Important Requirements Practices. Um, and I just felt like writing an article. And I 
just a short article, maybe 12 or 1300 words, but the response to that article was enormous, much larger than I expected. I was totally surprised, but that made me think. Perhaps there would be interest in a short book on requirements because there are a lot of big books with a huge amount of information on requirements and business analysis, um, many, many dozens of practices that they cover. And so I realized I could distill the good stuff in this big book down to a slightly smaller book. Mm, yes. yes. <laughs> so that new one that you showed, the Software Requirements Essentials, uh, the core content is only about 160 pages. And, uh, but it's very concentrated. There's a lot of information in there. And we talk about these 20 core practices that I think apply to virtually every project, regardless of the type of product they're building or their development life cycle. And I enlisted the assistance of a co-author, Candace Hokanson, who has a lot of agile experience. And we made sure these practices are described in a way that made it apparent that they were useful both for traditional and agile projects. So this is why I decided to write that book is to say, hey, look, everybody can read a short book and everybody should read that short book because there's a lot of stuff in there that applies to just about every software and, and beyond software projects as well. And, and I know that putting a lot of ideas in a small uh, book is harder than putting some ideas <laughs> in a big book. So, so making uh, stuff, stuff succinct and condensing <clears throat> gives a lot of work. And I, I, and I, I would say you did a very good job. Thank you. And as you mentioned, different approaches for, for developing our software or developing products. I would like to mention agile and traditional. And so these are the most used on and always there is hybrid stuff on, on the middle of it. But people who are working in agile, they usually talk about stories. They talk about epics, uh, backlog items. They don't usually talk about requirements or they usually don't use this word to talk about what they're doing. And I, I think that's kind of funny because sometimes <laughs> people think requirements and stories are different stuff. and. I would like to hear from you, how did the concept of requirements evolved over time and how are the agile practices dealing with requirements? Um, well, requirements have been known for a long time as being important. It's just that people weren't very good at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so on the one hand, I think what's changed in the last 15 or 20 years is more people have come to understand that requirements, understanding requirements is essential to success. They let, they let you answer some important questions that we talked about earlier, like why are we working on this project? Who are we trying to satisfy? How will we know so if our solution is good enough? You know, those are important questions. Uh, and another big change that's happened is that business analysis and requirements engineering have come to be recognized more as professionals, um, you know, disciplines in the past 20 years through organizations like IIBA and PMI and IREB, mm -hmm. mostly in Europe. So we've developed a lot of toolkits, bodies of knowledge, techniques that can be used. But I fear that some of that progress has been undermined by simplistic, agile approaches that don't seem to recognize the importance of carefully thinking about requirements and maybe misinterpret the Agile Manifesto's statement of valuing working software over comprehensive documentation to mean, oh, well, we just don't need to write requirements. And personally, 
I have a problem with that because human memories are not very reliable. <laughs> and you've probably had the experience. Has this ever happened to you, Fabricio? You walk away from a discussion or a meeting and you discover later on that people have different understandings of what was decided or different recollections as they happens try to remember. all the time. Happens yes. all the time. Yes. And so uh, human memories are, are imperfect. They fade. They distort. And so I do not understand, frankly, the resistance to writing down this kind of very important information because the hard part is not recording requirements. The hard part is figuring out what they are. <laughs> you know, what the needs are and all that kind of stuff. So we end up with this new terminology, uh, as you said, stories, epics, backlog items. And I think most of it is just being mystical. You know, we don't want to call them requirements. We're going to call them something else. Now, I think we, we've made some progress, actually. The, the traditional format of a user story goes beyond, say, a simple use case user goal statement by giving some context, you know, what stakeholders are interested in this, you know, as a kind of stakeholder mm -hmm. or user, that's helpful. And the motivation, you know, why are they interested in it so that I can do something mm -hmm. that's helpful, mm -hmm. but I don't know which, you know, maybe those are all requirements. It's not totally clear. Maybe some of them are. And yet the thing we need to remember, is that all project teams, agile or traditional or hybrid, encounter the same set of requirements related knowledge. You know, there are traditional terms for that kind of knowledge like business requirements, user requirements, functional requirements, quality attributes, uh, data requirements, business rules, and so forth. Just the fact that you're taking a different software development approach doesn't change the fact that developers need that same knowledge, that same information to be able to build the right solution correctly. That hasn't changed. So calling it something else or just calling them all stories and throwing them in the backlog to be addressed at the right time, that, that strikes me as a step backward because you're just making this pile of stuff. And yet I find it valuable to organize this big collection of different kinds of knowledge into various categories so I can see the connections between them. I can identify gaps. I can represent information in the most effective communication form for other people, depending on the kind of information it is. And so uh, I don't think there's anything special about agile requirements, but I think there's this terminology that maybe masks the fact that we're still talking about requirements. For sure, for sure. And, and undoubtedly, uh, if you can structure requirements in a way that, that makes sense and can correlate with each other, that all makes a lot of more sense. It's easier to understand, easier to analyze. And you can use stories as a technique because they're, sure. they're a nice and good technique for that. But there's two requirements. Because the goal, the goal of all requirements development work is clear and effective communication. Perfect. It's not purity of style. It's not rigid conformity to some rule book. It's not you know following whatever pattern is the most popular today. It's clear and effective communication. And there are many ways to do that. And I think what we need to do is have the people who are responsible in a project team for acquiring that information work with the people who need the information to agree on what's the most effective and efficient way to communicate that uh, so that everybody can do the right job as efficiently as possible. Perfect. Communication is the core. And 
that's why you wrote a smaller book to make communication <laughs> easier and clear. Yes. And and I know that there is another initiative that you're involved in that is also creating communication. That is some small short videos. Uh, I, if I'm not wrong, the name is One Minute Analyst. Is that right? That's correct. What are those videos about? Well, I launched the, the One Minute Analyst video series a few months ago. And each week I've been posting a, a video just 60 to 90 seconds long, hence the one minute video term, uh, right. both on my YouTube channel and in, in my LinkedIn account. And each of these videos concisely describes just one of the 20 core practices that we address in the Software Requirements Essentials book. There's obviously a lot more you can say about each practice, which is why we have all these big books and you can't just fit that all into one minute. Uh, I mean, for example, I've got a, a one minute or maybe a minute and a half video on the principle of uh, understanding what the user needs to do with the solution, which I think is a very important practice. And so I talk a little about use cases and user stories. Well, I've taught a full day course on use cases and there are all whole books on use cases alone and on user stories. So there's a lot more you can say, right? Yeah. And once again, I say, making things shorter and, and, and still useful is an art and, and something very hard to do. But I think you're doing a, a great job. You're, you're spreading your message. And if people want to watch those videos or want to buy your book, where can they find those information? Well, the website for the book is a good starting place. It's softwarerex, softwarereqs.com. And there you can see a description of the book. Uh, there's a reading sample, so you can see you know, what kind of stuff is in it. There are a bunch of downloads also, too, that we describe in the book. There's checklists and templates and spreadsheet tools. Again, I like these little work aids because they just remind me to do things that I might forget to do when I'm very busy. Uh, and there's a link there to the One Minute Analyst video series. And, and my goal really with that video series is not to train people, but it's to quickly make people aware of each of these important practices so they can think about whether this is something that might apply to my project. I should learn more about it because it will help us be more effective or more accurate or reduce risk. And uh, I think so the good starting point is softwarereqs.com because you can learn about all of these useful things and, and uh, find some information about a, a nice short book. Nice. And to make it even easier, if someone is watching us right now on YouTube, just click on the link that's in the description of this video for the, the book's website and for Carl's channel on, on YouTube. Carl, I would like to thank you very much for coming today. It was really a pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks very much. It's always great to see you, and I appreciate the chance to share some of these important ideas.